We're going to read quickly Matthew chapter 24. Back in the same text as last week. We're just going to read it again. Matthew 24, starting in verse 3, says this. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, again, the he being Jesus. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the age? What will be the the signs of the times when we expect you to return? We know you're coming again, but but let us know ahead of time so that we we can be ready. And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. Don't fear, have faith. Tell your neighbor, don't fear, have faith. Tell him, don't fear, have faith. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to to, to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That God, right now, it's dividing bone from marrow and spirit from soul, even now. That God is going to cut and prune and reprove us. I pray that by the end of the day, Lord, we would look just a little bit more like you. Just a little bit more like you. By your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Listen, tell three people before you're seated. Tell them this. Say, make the right choice. Make the right choice. Make the right choice. Come on. What's up, CWC? How y'all doing? Are you good? Amen. Did you come ready for the Word of God this morning? Come on, if you're ready, shout, I'm ready. Amen. Well, I know, again, I'm ready to preach if you're ready to receive um, I, I do believe that, that God gave us a word uh, for today. I know he did. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. <clears throat> so I was talking to a friend just the other day, right? And him and I were, were talking and discussing the signs of the times. We were, we were just talking about it. That's, you know, because of one, because it's the series that we're in right now and we're going through, we're seeing just so we, you know, understand what we should be looking for as things start to, to, to head towards the end when Jesus comes back, because he's coming again. He's coming again. Amen. And so we want to pay attention to those signs, right? Not that it makes us fearful, because we know we have faith in the blessed hope. Man, he's coming to get us. So 
Not that we're worried about the signs, but just so we know. Like, hey, this is what's going to happen because the word of God says so. And uh, so, yeah, so we were talking about it because, again, we're in this series. But, but two, because it's literally what we see around us right now, what's happening all around us. I mean, we wake up every day seeing all types of different things that the scriptures have been describing to us for thousands of years. We're seeing, it's like we're seeing a whole nother chapter of Revelation play out right before our eyes. Like, holy smoke, what's going on? What is happening? But we're seeing this. And, and I really do believe that, that the days we find ourselves in, the days are getting short. I, I really believe that. And I don't necessarily know if it's next week or tomorrow or anything like that. Um, I, I don't believe that. But like Matthew chapter 24 says, these are merely the beginning of the birth pains that will take place upon the earth before the son of man returns, before the bridegroom comes and gets his bride. These are merely birth pains, so, so pay attention to them. Right, the things that we are seeing, right, unfolding in the world around us, we see equaling to what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24. We can see it, unless we wanna be blinded. I mean, we don't have to see it if we don't want, but we can. For, for eyes, who has eyes, let them see, right? Who has ears, let them, let them hear. But we see it unfolding. We see what, what Paul describes in 2 Timothy chapter three. Men will be lovers of themselves and hating the truth and all these things. And we see it more prevalent now. And again, listen, there, there have been times on this earth that have been really bad. And that's always the argument, right? Well, there's, there's been times before that were really, really awful. And, and that's true. That is true, but, but there's something different in, in the spirit. Like, like there's something different. Spirit of God, awaken me so that I know what is happening, Lord. Right? That's always my prayer, Lord. Don't let me miss it because I'm not in tune with your spirit. But there's something different in our spirit. And, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. Praise the Lord. There's many, many people who are spirit-filled men and women of God that are saying the same things. And so for us to pay attention is really important. And this is why right now, man, that, that decisions that we make are critical. I mean, they're critical. Every decision we make, because decisions bring consequences, right? And so they're, they're really important right now. This is why we've, we've got to guard our hearts above all else. Guard our hearts above everything else. However, <clears throat> this is the good news. If we've given our lives to Christ, if we've given our lives to him, we don't fear, we have faith. Hear me, if you know Jesus, and Jesus knows you, by the way, if you know Jesus and Jesus knows you, then, man, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear. Rather, there's something to celebrate. He's coming. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming, I'm excited because I know he's coming. I know him, he knows me, I'm a part of his bride. But the fact of the matter is, is this, Here, here's, the, here's the truth. The world's demise is our glorious inheritance. That sounds rough, doesn't it? But it's, but it's true. The judgment upon the world will be our hope revealed and fulfilled. We will no longer have hope deferred as Paul references it. You guys have hope deferred, right? Count on his coming. You, you've got, it will no longer be deferred. It'll be revealed and fulfilled 
when those things come. So, so for us who are in Christ, whose old has passed away and behold, all things have been made brand new through him, by him and, and for him, for, for all of us who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus, we are saved. We're, we're saved. And, and so instead of being fearful about the time we are in, we should be really, really excited about the time that we are in. Haggai chapter two says it this way, the latter glory of this temple. How many of you know that the Bible calls you the temple of the Holy Ghost? You are the temple. You are, that no longer God makes his dwelling place amongst bricks and, and mortar. It's no longer that. Rather, he makes his dwelling place in the hearts of men and women who have given their lives to him. And this is the temple of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain that is coming that Haggai is addressing in chapter two, verse, verse nine. The, the latter glory of this temple, it's not an actual temple, it's God's people, will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. This is a promise for generation after generation after generation, because the, the further we go, the closer we get to him coming and the greater the tribulations will take place. So we've got to have the latter rain has to be greater and more glory, glor, glorified in us than the former. The latter rain. So this should really, really excite you and I. Acts chapter two, verse 17, right? It's quoting Joel chapter two. It says, in the last days, in the last days, I will pour my spirit, amen, on all flesh. Are you, are you guys with me today? Praise the Lord. In the last days, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I pray in Jesus' name, community kids, start prophesying. Start prophesying, God. Put a fire shut up inside of their bones where they're coming up here and telling us, this is the word of the Lord. Your young men will see visions. Come on, Refuge Youth Network. God, start giving them young men and them young girls visions to see you high and lifted up. This is what he said will happen in the, in the latter days. Our old men will dream dreams. Come on, elders. Start praying for dreams. Praise God. To awaken our hearts. To awaken us with the dreams that God has, has given us. See, because our Redeemer lives, because he lives, our best is still yet to come. That's the promise. This is the hope. Our best is yet to come. See, see the, the world may be full of fear, while we're full of faith, while we're full of faith, but we know that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can stand against us? What could, could stop us and separate us from this love that we have in, in Christ Jesus? Nothing. And so we're full of faith. So as the world, I say all that to say this. So as the world is hoping for normal to start returning, we are eagerly waiting. We are eagerly waiting for him to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We are saying, even so come. I can't sing, but I'll try. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Brent don't want me singing, I'll take his job. <clears throat> We're saying, we, we wait for you. Jesus, we, we wait for you. They're, they're hoping for normal. We're singing to the king, come, come. Lord Jesus, come. See, we need to be excited that the bridegroom is coming for his, for his bride. 
And, and here's the, the thing that we have to realize, that towards the end days, the Bible says, greater the tribulations, you will be delivered up to tribulations. And here's the point of that. Why can we be excited in that? I'll tell you why. Because in the middle of that tribulation, Jesus is preparing his bride. It has to be one without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. We, we focus a lot on the signs of the times as if the world gets worse, God's coming back. When actually it says he will come back for a bride, one without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. So what's the state of the bride will determine when he comes back. More than all the, the crap that's happening in the world, more than that. And so the tribulations is causing us to be perfected in Christ, cutting things off of us, bringing us to a clear choice. A clear choice. That's what it's all heading us to, a choice. And so look, my friend and I, right, we're, we're talking about all this. And, and he says to me, he says, do you notice that division is happening all over. He said, just greater than ever before. Do you notice that? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I think you can see division, right? I mean, I don't know. It seems like in a greater magnitude anyway, or maybe it's just more magnified, but I, it's, it's everywhere. He's like, yeah, 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 man. He's like, it's with politics. It's with policy. It's with race. It's with religion. It's, it's across the board. There's so much division taking place. And so as I was thinking and praying, about the division we're seeing across the, across the world, across the globe. The Lord gave me last week's message, right? Gave me last week's message where we talked about love and unity, right? How important this, this is, how the church should not be affected by what's happening in the world, but rather the world should be affected by what's happening in the church. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Amen. That by our love, people will know that we're his disciples. This is the charge. This is our commandment from Jesus. Go and love, love one another. Then people will know. And so the Lord gave us a good word last week. Praise the Lord. Even my wife said it was good. Come on, somebody. When I passed that, when I passed that test, <clears throat> yeah, well, she got to sleep in the bed last week. So depends on how she reacts today. I'm just saying. But this is what the Lord was laying out last week, that, that, that love is our calling card as believers. It's, it's, our, it's our very calling card. It's the stamp on us, man. The love of God is upon us and people see it and say, wow, there's something different about them. There's just something different. And we talked about how, how unity in the body is what brings about God's glory. It has to be the unity within his body, within his bride for God to pour out his glory upon them. It has to be. That's the way he has designed, designed it. Why? Because we reflect the Trinity when we are in unity. We reflect the Trinity. They're in perfect harmony, perfect sync, man. They're, they're a perfect community all the time. And so this is what he's trying to get his bride to, to replicate. And so that's what we talked about last week. However, as the Lord was giving me that message. It was kind of strange because he was giving me this one at the same time. He was paralleling the two for me, which messed me up. I'm like, Lord, wait a minute. I'm, I'm too simple. Let's just stick to one thing. <laughs> don't, don't, don't overload me, God. But he took me, took me to Matthew chapter 10. 
verse 34. As he's laying out this love message, this unity message, he then steers me to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. And it says this, do not think, this is Jesus, do not think that I came to bring peace on this earth. Don't think that I came to bring peace, but, but a sword, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. We see that in households today, amen. <laughs> if you're sitting beside your mother-in-law, don't say amen, okay, I'm trying to help you. Don't do that. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I got an incredible mother-in-law, just so you know. It's for sure. She's incredible. But I'll take brownie points wherever I can get them. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came with a sword to divide. And the Lord said something to me, and I never, ever have heard God say this to me before. He said, sometimes I'm the one bringing the division but you're contributing it to the enemy. And I said, oh, yeah, I said, ouch. I didn't say amen at all. I was like, man, God, ouch. See, sometimes what happens in this life, right? We find our own household in turmoil. It's in turmoil. There's a lot of division taking place. And so we do what we, we should do as Christians. We start praying for peace. God, give us peace, bring, bring peace. But it's interesting because sometimes, because not everyone in the household is living for Jesus, it's an automatic division. But yet we find ourselves praying for peace. God, you are the Prince of Peace, right? We start quoting scriptures and rebuking the enemy. Now that's enough, we bind you, division. We bind you and we lose unity from God and peace from, from God in this house. Jesus, you said that your peace you give me, your peace you leave with me. And so, God, I receive that right now in this house. This is, what we, this is what we do. We do all the things that we've been taught here in church to do, but none of it's working. It's not doing anything. It feels like it's hitting a glass ceiling, right? Like, then we get a little frustrated. We're like, God, wait a minute. I'm praying, I'm asking. You said if I ask, I shall receive. And so I'm praying, but you're not hearing. So, what are, what are we gonna do about this? I, I need your peace. And so what we fail to realize and recognize is this, peace cannot come because it's God the one sending the division. God's the one setting father against son, mother against daughter. This is the Bible. It's him. And so because of our lack of understanding to understand what is happening, right, in the spirit with what God is doing, we create our own peace in our household. We will create our own peace, enabling those around us to continue living the way they're living. You know how many times I've seen this play out? With how many times it played out in my life with my mom? We love our kids, man. Praise the Lord, we love our kids. But we'll create our own peace because all I wanna do is just get along. I just want peace in this house. And so we start compromising the way People are living in the conversations we're having. We stop confronting. We stop confronting the choice that needs to be made. We stop confronting the sin that our spouse is living in. We stop confronting the sin that our kids are living in. And we just, I just want the peace. I just want the peace. Stop addressing aunt, uncles, all those that are around us. 
just quit it because I want peace. But here's the thing, man. False peace has no power to do anything for you. Has no power to fix anything or do anything. God's peace does. Man's peace has no ability to change a situation or the hearts of people. Now, now look, let me, let me say this because I don't want a bunch of people going home and pointing their finger at their kids and screaming, the pastor said, I told you. Like, that is not the point. We cannot condemn people for sin. That's not our job. That's, that's not, we, don't, we don't even judge their sin. Jesus said, judge a tree by its fruit, but be careful how you judge lest thee be judged, right? And so it's not about condemning. Because you gotta remember, that's why we preached last week's message first. It's gotta be done through the lens of love. Like it has to be done through that lens because God is love. He doesn't do love. He doesn't just talk lovingly. God is actually love. The very essence of who he is. We said this last week. We touched on it. Because we understand that we're loved by him, we're only worthy of love. When he tells us hard things, we can deal with it and receive it because we know his love for us. And so it has to be done through the lens of love. You can't be yelling, do this, do that, you bad words, right? Like, can't do that. It won't change nothing. We can't shame people into choosing Jesus. It doesn't work. It does not work. We show them kindness of God and the love of God that leads to repentance. We lead people to repentance. We don't drag them. God doesn't even drag them. He leads them. He leads them. We let them know, hey, we love you. We'll do whatever we can for you. And we're here to walk through it, but it's not okay that you're living this way. That's the way the conversation is. Son, daughter, I love you. But the Bible says, we're gonna pray. We're gonna believe God and we're gonna toil with you. But we love them enough to make them make a choice. We make them make a choice. You have to make a choice. We can't serve two gods. You can only serve one. Jesus said you can't, you can't serve two. You either love the one and you'll hate the other. So we, we are confronted with, with the choice. Trying to shame people into salvation is about as effective as not bringing up salvation at all. I'm telling you, it's, it's about as effective. Like you, it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. But I will say this, you know what I find that is, this is wild to me. And we've all, we've all done it, I'm sure, at some point in time. But I find that a lot of us don't have a problem telling those who perhaps are living with us or are 20-somethings, right? Like, I don't have that yet, but, but I've had people live with me. You know, we've given people places to live and, and all those things. And we don't have a problem telling them that they got to get a job, right? Like, that's pretty easy. You have to get a job. You gotta do some work around the house. You gotta pull your own weight. Like, if you don't start taking out the trash, you don't start mowing the lawn, if you don't start cleaning your bedroom, if you don't start putting the clothes away that I folded for you and put on your bed instead of just knocking them on the ground, boy, I'm telling you, whoo, I'm telling you, you're gonna have to go. You gotta get a job, you gotta contribute. Man, I gotta see you add to this family. You're gonna have to go. 
So we'll do that with, with work and with job and, and career choices and career paths. We'll, we'll do that. We will push. But when it comes to Jesus and it comes to the church, we won't say it for me and my house. We will serve the Lord here. This is what we do in this house. We, we, won't, we won't go that far. If you're gonna eat my food, you're gonna be under my roof. Now we'll say that about a job. Go get a job. If you wanna eat here and live here, you go, you go work. But we won't say that about the church. We won't say that about spiritual things that we're trying to lead them to a confrontation with Jesus. For me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So every night at 9 p.m., we're gonna read scripture and we're gonna pray. Well, mom, I'm 20. I don't care how old you are. You're still eating my food. You're still living in my house. This is what we're gonna do. And this is not shaming people. This is confronting people. This is different. They look completely different. It's confronting them to make a choice with how they're living. It's like any other discipline in your home, chores and what have you. Now, the argument that I always get here is this. Well, I don't wanna push them further away from God. And so I don't wanna push them to go to church because I feel like I'm gonna push them further away from God by making them go to church. I hear it all the time. But yet we don't think that way when it comes to work. Could you imagine if one of your friends or your family members said to you, well, I really didn't wanna tell my kid to get a job because if I did, he may never wanna work again or she may never decide to work. We would literally give them a swift kick right in the rear end. Like, are you goofy? <laughs> but yet we do this with the things of God, but we do it with the Lord. But man, we'll push on everything else. Man, we'll definitely, sports parents, man, we push our kids in sports, come on. Give me another rep, 10 more push-ups, 10 more up-downs, as our dean would say. 10 more, just give me another rep, right? This is, this is how we, we push for, for that, but not when it comes to the things of the Lord. See, we, we've gotta realize how important this choice is. It's the most important choice you will ever make in your entire life. Not your career, not even your spouse, none of that. The most important choice you will make is whether you say yes to him or no to him. And that's the only choice you've got. There is no middle ground. It's yes or no. We gotta understand this choice and the impact that it, that it has. In Matthew chapter 10, right, Jesus, don't think that I came to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide believer from unbeliever. That's what he's saying. Better than that, he says, I've come to divide death from life. That's what I came here to do. I came here to show you death or life. And every single person has to make the choice for them Selves, come on, tell your neighbor, say, make the right choice. Tell them, if that's your kid, give them a little attitude. You better make the right choice. <clears throat> there is a clear choice. Church, it's, it's very, very clear that we have to make it on our own. Did you know you, you, you can't walk into the kingdom of God on your dad or mom's shirt, coattails? You can't ride their coattails in the kingdom. It's a personal God to a personal you. You have to make the choice all on your own. You have to meet him and want him and desire him. Your parents can't do it for you. It's, it's on us. See, Matthew chapter 24, now we're gonna tie this together. You guys still with me? Yeah, we're getting ready to tie it all together, I hope. Matthew 24, Jesus gives a lot of signs of the times, right? We just read them. 
But in verse four and five, he gives a specific warning. He says, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. Verse 11, Jesus says this, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Jesus warns us three times in a very short span of not being led astray, of making the wrong choice, of making the wrong choice. Listen, there are a ton of false gods, false religions out there today. I mean, we see so many, it's, it's, it's absurd. But let me be very clear, maybe very, very, very clear. There's only one way. There is no other way. There is only Jesus. There's one true God and his name is Jesus. People are even afraid to say that anymore. Praise the Lord. It's only him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's only through Christ. No one gets to the Father except through him. No one gets into the kingdom unless they know Jesus and Jesus knows them. It's in Jesus that you and I live, we move, and we have our being. Only in him. He's it. There is nothing else. But yet there'll be many false prophets, many false teachings, many telling us something very, very different than that. Yeah, your truth is your truth. It's cool. Whatever God you, you want to serve, I mean, hey, it's cool. You'll go to your heaven. I'll go to mine. No. That's what they'll tell it. It's a complete lie. It's a false teaching. It's a false teaching. And so we've got to be, we've got to be careful. Do, do you know what I find? One of the worst false teachings of our time. One of the worst that we're dealing with. And why it's so bad is because it's intermingled with the gospel. They've, they've woven them together. And so it tricks people, it misleads people. But it's what a, a pastor friend of mine, Michael Rice calls easy believism. I don't think that's a real term. I think he made it up. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's very true. They enter twine this with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Meaning this, living for Jesus is easy. Oh, it's easy. It's all good. You come to Jesus, man, you'll prosper. Woo. Everything will go great. It's cool. Just, just give your life. To it's easy. It, it, it's, it's easy. All you do is say a prayer. That's it. You just come and, and, and say a prayer and then you're in. Prayer, in. You can do whatever you want to do. You can live however you want to live. You can, you can look like whatever you want to look like. You can love whoever you want to love. Just say the prayer. This is a false teaching that is so scary because they put, take certain texts of scripture out and they misuse it and they misplace it. They take it out of context. And this is misleading many, many from the faith. Many. Jesus goes on and says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He says, he who loves father or mother, right? More than me is not worthy to follow me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If we choose Jesus, we love Jesus first. This is not easy to do. Matter of fact, this trips up people all the time trips them up really, really bad. Like, what do you mean, man? I, I love my wife. I love my kids. Cool. No, you should. Praise the Lord. I hope. I hope. If not, we got a lot of counseling hours to do. But, but this trips people up, man, really, really bad. Well, I can't love God more than, more than her or him or my kids. 
But you know what I've, I've realized over my life with Jesus? When I love Jesus first, when I give him everything, every part of me, because there's seasons I don't, there's seasons I hold on to other things and God has to remove them from me and cut them off of me. But in the seasons when I love him first, I'm a lot better husband. I'm a lot better of a daddy. I'm a lot better son. My dad's probably saying amen. <clears throat> My mom for sure. But I'm a lot better friend. I'm a lot better pastor too when I love him first. We have to love him first. You know, something I say at every single wedding, I got wedding on the brain because I've been doing so many, but I got them on the brain. Every single ceremony I do, I say this to every one of them. The best piece of advice I can give you is to love Jesus first so that you can love each other in the best possible way because it's true. And Jesus knows this. He knows this about us. And so he says, look, love me more than anyone or anything. And by doing that in return, you will love everyone around you better. You'll love everyone, but this is not easy. He goes on to say this. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me isn't worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who does not fight against their sin, who doesn't fight against their own temptation, who doesn't fight against any of that and just gives into it. They just, well, if I shouldn't have it, I wouldn't feel that I needed it. And so I'm gonna go ahead and take it. Those that, that do that and don't seek the Lord. Those that seek fame, wealth, prestige, all these things above Jesus. He says they aren't worthy to follow me. There's a, there's a choice that you and I have to make. And it's not easy believism. Like I say a prayer and I'm all good. Everything's fine. I can do what I want, say what I want, go where I want. No, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. We have a choice to make. Are we gonna follow Jesus with everything that is within us or allow these other things to pull us in opposite directions? Allow sin to, to grab us and, and pull us down. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's not the issue, right? Like we all have. So the problem is, is do we remain in it and continue to go after it? You know, it's funny because God warns Jacob, or I'm sorry, he warns Cain. He says, Cain, Sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. Interesting next statement. But you, that's what he says, but you must master it so that it don't master you. So in other words, God gives us a strength by his spirit to say, no, no, I don't choose that. I choose him. I choose him. That's not easy. That's not easy. Matthew chapter seven. We have Jesus, right? Verse 13, and this is what he says. He says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to what? Destruction. It's wide and it's broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who will enter through that gate. Many will. For the gate is small and the way is narrow. The way is hard that leads to life. And there will be very few who make it through it. Very, very few 
How many of you realize this? That a gate is meant for two things. Keep you in or keep you out. One of the two. Either let you in or keep you out of it. And Jesus is saying there's two gates. There's only two. There's only two gates. See, we get actually held up on that. Like, no, there's all kinds of, no, no, no. Jesus says there's only two. Destruction or life. Eternal damnation or life. That's the two. That's the two. The one that leads to destruction, he's saying, it's, it's wide. It's, that's easy to get to that one. It's easy to find that entrance because a ton of people have come before you blazing a trail, blazing a trail right to it. Whether that's generational curses, whether that's whatever it is, blazing a trail right for that, that wide gate to destruction. It's wide not because you, you have other choices, but rather it's wide because there's many different trails that lead to that same gate. There's not multiple gates, there's one that leads to destruction. But there's many trails that, that lead to it, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex outside of marriage, you name it. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God leads us to destruction. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you've got to choose one, but if you choose the one to destruction, you'll be in eternal damnation. See, we, we, we have a choice to make in our own lives. A real choice. Do we choose the gate that leads to life or the gate that leads to destruction? The gate that leads to life is narrow. Why is it narrow? Because there's only one way. There's only one. There's not 48 different ways. If there was, I'd preach them. There's one way to the Father, just Jesus. It's hard because you have to deny yourself. You gotta crucify your flesh daily. Pick up your cross and follow him. This is, this is hard. It's, it's hard because the entire world will hate you. They'll hate you. Why? Because you stand for righteousness for godliness and against ungodliness. So they'll hate you for it. They'll hate you because your, your life and the way you live will confront them and the way they are living. And so they'll hate you for it. And because that's the truth, not many will find it. Now you got people preaching that there is no hell and everything's da 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 da. Like, man, you ain't even in the Bible, man. The word of God is clear. It's clear. Our choice will determine where we go after this life. Not many will make it to life. And I don't know about you, but one of them are gonna be me. I wanna be a part of the few, amen. Amen. Following Jesus is, is tough. It's tough. Do you know every single time that Jesus preached, or rather, every time he had a large gathering of followers, when his followers got big, thousands of people, he preached his hardest message. Every single time, he laid a clear choice before him. Now, you came here for the, for the feeding. You like to see me multiply bread and fish and, and all these different things. You came because you see me heal this person. You've come for the sign and the wonder. I'm telling you that you better come and choose me. Because if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you're not willing. You're not worthy to follow me. He always lays a clear choice after many followers find him, come after him. And so we really do, we, we've got to be confronted 
with the choice. What, what do we want? Which gate are we going to choose in this life? What gate are we going to try to lead others to? Those that are around us and, and with us. Not try to just keep the peace and just let things go and not say nothing. No, I love you too much to let that keep happening. I'm going to pray for you even harder. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is what we do here. Instead of just enabling the same behaviors to continue. God wants to confront people. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword, to divide it. Make them make a choice. Choose between evil and good, right and wrong. More than any of that, choosing between life or death. Which one do we choose? Jesus or everything else? It's a, it's a choice. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to end this. You know, it's amazing because God is so good that he confronts us with these choices. And they're hard. And they, they may even upset us a little bit. But you have to know what you're signing up for. Right? You, you've got to know. You've got to count the cost. Jesus says, don't follow me without count, counting the cost to follow me. Because there is a cost. There's a price to be paid. And that price is you and I. It's us. We sacrifice ourselves daily to follow him. We crucify ourselves daily to give our lives to him. So we can't act certain ways. We can't say certain things. We don't, we don't do certain things because we follow him. And so I, I, can't, I can't head that way because I'm going this way. I've made my choice to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. But there is a gate that you and I have to choose. The one that leads to destruction or the one that leads to life. And so that's the, that's the question today. What gate are you wanting to choose? What gate are you wanting to choose? Life or destruction? It's a clear option. It's very, very clear. And today, today the Lord wants to confront us with that. And here's the thing. It's not always just about, I don't, I've never given my heart to Jesus. So no, I do. No, where I have given my life to Jesus, but I haven't given him everything. I haven't given him everything. I still love other people, places, and things more than I do him. So, Lord, today I choose you. It's confronting that place as well. Things we're not willing to lay down at his feet. So, look, we're going to go into a, a time of worship here just for a little bit. We're going to open up the altars. We're going to open the altars. And I really believe that the Lord wants to, to shift some things in our lives today. I really do. I believe today he wants to set a precedent, priority upon the altars of our hearts this morning. And so, man, let's take this opportunity. God is calling. He's confronting. He's saying, hey, you can choose me or you can choose destruction. You make the choice, but you have to make the choice. Come on, Brent.